0: Thank you for tuning in today on Voyage Through the Bible with Billy G. Nolan, where his heart is to fortify and strengthen your relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this mini-teaching, and if you need prayer, if you would like more information, or you simply want to join us as we voyage through the Bible, go to www.voyagethroughthebible.org. Voyage Through the Bible We're in southeast Arkansas on a houseboat. The church is good ways away. It takes quite a bit of time to get there. In the 1920s, they had something called an all-night sing. They had single people singing. They had trios, and they had all kinds of things, duets. And they had them sing many songs many times continuing on playing the music only the way they could this was like going to the show for the heathen for the non-believers they came to hear the music the believers came to worship and in the middle of it many of the people that came not knowing went home knowing the lord we're going to be talking about worship again what a new heart looks like, and what new beginnings are like also. Many aspects of God's dealing with the human race, past, present, and future, in our own lives, he deals with us in our past, in our present, in our future. Let's stop, and let's really worship the Lord. I come to you with great adoration I love you, Lord. I appreciate you in a way that my mouth can hardly explain. I love you so deeply. I praise you because you, you caused the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea. I praise you because you're the great creator and you haven't stopped creating even now. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the blood of your son. I thank you for the richness that you provide. I thank you that you're just God. And I throw up worship and thank you for it. Amen. There's time when words are important and teachings are important. And there's times when worship is more important. Worship in the Hebrew language has many meanings. It means to kiss. In Psalms 95.6, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Bowing down is an internal, internal work. Reverence is an act of the outward expression. Worship is primarily telling a story. It's a narrative between us and God. Worship is performed. I speak less. I become quiet. As God speaks, I hear both hear and see. The Holy Ghost speaks to us as if we were children hearing his story. Praise is in our mouth like children. Lifting up his glory is what we do in Ephesians 1.12. In order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ, we might be to his praise and glory. We lift up his character. We lift up his actions. We lift up his excellence. We lift up his perfections. We lift up his virtues. First Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Worship opens up channels of communication between us and the Lord. It develops trust and great anticipation. Before we started the camera, I had a worship session using my prayer language. And I came encouraged into these presentations today. I want to let you know encouragement is a part of worship. Spiritual currents are flowing. Loving kindness flowing by the Holy Ghost from the Father. In John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. I want to tell you a story of worship. The car, the brakes, they broke. We're going to a conference again. In those years, in my 20s, we went to conferences a lot of times in the South and sometimes in Texas. So a friend of ours who was learning his place in the Lord, he was a Mexican man, who had been filled with the Spirit in a dramatic way, he was learning what the Lord says, and he was learning it well. He became a man renowned later on. He, he changed a nation, he changed countries. This man was amazing. We'll talk about him more at another time. But we're driving, and we reached the city limits of the town we're to be in, And we heard a clunking sound, a crashing sound, and a jerk, the car began to jerk. We parked it in the church parking lot. Wouldn't you know it? It was the most uh, easily observed place in the whole church parking lot, and it quit running. Our friends lived two blocks from the church, so we took our luggage and our children and went there, and we stayed. Wouldn't you know? Just about the time our car breaks down, there is no movement at all. Turn the motor on, and I can't move it. I can't get it in gear. I can't get it even to groan. Nothing. And what would they do? The testimony after testimony for that whole week was how God healed cars. It was the gas was empty. We're on a mission trip, and we need the gas. And the Lord filled our tank and we didn't have to fill the tank until we got back from the mission trip. If you want to see something to set somebody's hair on fire, that was what these things were doing for me. One had his brakes fixed. Another had another thing fixed. There was one after the other, all physical deliverances and healings. And my car is sitting in the parking lot and I can't move it. I had a problem. I'd go by the car, and there'd be somebody laying on the ground underneath the car, praying, laying hands on my transmission. Somebody, again, would have the hood up and would be praying. One day, the most unusual thing up till that time I'd seen, there was a ring of people holding hands around our car, praying for our car. There was a mechanic in the church, and he said, I can fix it. And me and my wife prayed. We had money to get it fixed, but that money was to go to our friends. So we said, we're going to give the money to our friends. So we gave the money to them, came time to leave, and I told my wife to pack up, get the kids ready, and I walked over by myself. My friend was praying, I found out later, right in his living room what was going on. I got there, got in the car started up, put it in gear, and it groaned and cried and growled and leaped all over that parking lot. Good thing there was an empty parking lot at the time. And it stopped dead. Nothing. The Lord dealt with me about a few things personally. I started up and it started grinding and leaping and all that grinding and leaping. We went right to their friend's house. They packed the car and we're going. We said goodbye to him, and my friend came out and he said this is what needs to be done. When you get home I want you to put the car in the garage immediately for a testimony to the Lord. And I said all right. And we ground and pitched all the way to the into the town, stopped at a gas station and got gas. And that whole trip home was a standard transmission, but it was an automatic transmission from that point on. I'd take my foot off the clutch and it would automatically shift its own gears. We had fun on the trip home. We went to events and places, took our time. All the way home, we had an understanding that there were fingers working in the transmission. The transmission was not working at all. So, obeying what was told me, we got groceries before we went home. And we took all the luggage out of the car and I went to a garage, it was a new car dealership garage. And the man opened it up and he said, where's the tow truck? And I said, I didn't have a tow truck. And he said, oh, you pushed it down the hill. And he showed me there wasn't any gears in there at all. They had all been cut off. And we had driven way over a thousand miles. My story. The part I need to tell you From the time I parked in the church parking lot until we got home, I profoundly worshiped the Lord. My wife worshiped the Lord. My friends worshiped the Lord. There was a spark of worship in all the people surrounding my car. This was not a broken transmission. This was an enormous. Worship event in my life. The way to worship is to worship from your heart. The way to worship is to worship from your heart, from an attitude inside of you. The Lord inhabits our worship. Praise, anointing, God is in it. The worship from our our heart refers to our human spirit through the Holy Ghost. Sing, be silent, the Holy Ghost speaking to us through our inner voice. The gift of tongues can be in full operation in this moment. I'm not musical. I would scare you if I sing. Don't want to do that. We're recording it, so I can't make you frightened. I won't do that. But at many times, I will begin to sing in my prayer language and i'll sing for the other day i sang for somewhere between four and five hours i sang and at times i began to sing in my native english and i began to rejoice in something that the lord was doing stop let's talk about the greatness of god Let's talk about this, let's see it. Worship is to focus on the presence of God expressed in live actions. I've seen a man worship, and I, I would break bones if I did what he did, but he came out of it with an attitude of great acceptance and faith. It was an amazing thing. The word anointing refers to the presence of God in every believer in special circumstances and in normal day to day. Yet this anointing is further developed in our soul identity, in our mind, in our emotions, in our will, in all the different aspects of our soul life. This anointing flows down into our body and it becomes mechanical to an action. Hearing, seeing, speaking, running, I've seen many things, but all these lend for the anointing, the power of God to rest on. Note, the body worship alone is insignificant without the body worship to be from the heart. It has to come from the heart of God. Our heart melts with God's heart. Body worship, heart to heart, makes us want to worship even more. It develops in us hunger to worship. Practical understanding of the ministry of rest. There are many times there's a series of events in both Mark and Matthew that lead us to this. Feeding of the 5,000 is a moment of rest. Going to the mountain, Jesus went to the mountain. It was communion as a form of rest. The disciples crossed the Red Sea. They were supposed to. That was the direction. If they did, it would have been rest. Help, they cried. We're in a storm. We're going to die. The fishermen who knew the waters were afraid of death. In the moment of crisis, can we have rest? There's somebody walking in the storm and seems to walk past them and they're afraid that it's some kind of ghost some kind of uh, evil thing and Jesus turned around and said it's me rest Peter says ah can I walk to you and Jesus said come and Jesus oops oops he kind of fell kind of slipped. Now, it's not written, but I believe Jesus picked him up and they walked back to the boat. I just see that happening. Rest. The storm is quieted. The whole scene is full of rest. And Jesus said to the disciples, you really didn't have much faith. And within a wink of the eye, they're at at the shore. It's like one moment they're in the middle of the lake and one moment they're at the shore. Dramatic, unexplained events there's rest in. They meet the demoniac. We talked about him before. He's a man who's possessed and he was really mutilated and near destroyed. He was a man who was being persecuted, being torn apart. The demons discussed their fate with Jesus. Sometimes when you see a person who is demon-possessed, they shriek. They're not shrieking to intimidate you. They're shrieking because they're full of fear. They're afraid of you. Now that, I think, is an amazing thought. So these demons were afraid of Jesus, and they asked to go into the pigs, and the pigs ran into the sea. The pig herders left and went to the village to tell what happened. There was a sense of amazement in what was going on. The owners of the pigs came back. They brushed by the Gadarean. The demon-possessed man was in his right mind, and now he is completely well. They missed the big event, and they want to talk about pigs. The villagers want Jesus and the disciples to leave. I have a question. Were these Jewish pig farmers or Gentile pig farmers? I don't know. But there were men that thought of profit and loss and not the kingdom of God. The Gadareans said, I'm going with you. He had confidence. That's a form of rest. Jesus said, no, stay here. That's an abrupt change. You'd think you'd want him to go. Jesus came back to the region later and his fame had gone before him. The evangelist, the first non-Jewish evangelist that ever was, was the Gadarean. I'm gonna put words in his mouth. See my clothes? See I'm in my right mind? See what Jesus did for me? when he comes back he'll do it for you jesus was received with joy and salvation had come to the whole region it was a most unlikely region it was ten cities and it was called the little rome of the middle east they were so roman it was beyond thought and yet salvation came to them We hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Billy on this episode of Voyage Through the Bible. This journey and its many adventures lead you into the mysteries of creation and man, not only to know the Bible, but to experience it and live it. If you would like to sow into this ministry and be a part of somebody else's journey as they learn about God, please visit our website, www.voyagethroughthebible.org.